Hello, 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 beautiful listeners. This is Bonnie Jean Alport, and I am the Identity Guru. And I know, I know, I know, it has been a three-month hiatus. I have no excuse other than the fact that I needed a little break, so I took it. Then it got longer, and I fell behind, and I had to catch up, and I needed to find music. And here we are airing the first of the six final episodes of season three. (sighs) It has been an exciting journey recording conversations with amazing, beautiful guests for 20 episodes, which is going to be what we have in season three. (sighs) A bit of a look forward to the rest of the episodes for this year. I had conversations with international folks for the first time. Woohoo! So exciting. That is going to be our doubleheader finale at the end of the month. And then I had conversations that are meant to relax you and conversations that are meant to excite you and inspire you. And in fact, today's episode with Peter James, a colleague of mine at the college I teach at, and yes, for the moment, I'm still teaching. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, And he also is an entrepreneur and a coach for entrepreneurs. That conversation was extremely enjoyable back in March of this year. Yes, it's been nine months since him and I had a conversation and I don't know why it just never felt like the right time to air the conversation. And then I wanted to find the right partner conversation, which I finally did, um, which of course I recorded that back in July, Ah, but it's okay. (laughs) Uh, What's interesting about that conversation was we talked about my word of the year with some, some depth. And my word of the year for 2022 was, and has been, and still is until the end of the year, choice. Choosing me, you know, as a key component to my existence. And I have spent the time since talking to Peter, really looking into who I am, developing aspects, recognizing what my needs really are, because not everybody's needs are the same. Yes, we have fundamental needs of food and and water, pretty much those are the two fundamental needs we have. But individually, we all have different needs to help us function and to help us exist and thrive in the world. And, you know, so often needs are prescribed away as being just wants or desires, but really they're needs in order for a particular person to get their job done or their work done. And I'm reminded of when I was working with the homeless population 20 some odd years ago, and I went to this conference and they talked about this woman who had been homeless, unemployed, and couldn't seem to get a leg up. And when she was finally asked what she needed and what would help her overcome the barriers, she looked at the guy and said, you know, if if I could have one thing changed, I would have my teeth fixed. So they got her teeth fixed and lo and behold, within a year, she was thriving. 
Sometimes it's as simple as a conversation and it can change your world. So that is what I have spent this year doing is focusing on what my needs are and choosing me and those needs and finding the balance of myself with the rest of the world. And I, I finally accept that it's not a selfish act. <laughs> I am a, in many ways, a changed person, which is what led me to my word of the year for 2023, which is change, change in surroundings, change in circumstances and change in being. Yes, that's what I branded it as. I'm looking forward to the changes that are set to come in 2023, but we'll get there. I'm not going to rush it too fast. And let me just give a little hint. Season four in 2023, it's going to have some exciting stuff, including a series of conversations surrounding the launch of our first book for the publishing company. Woohoo! So exciting! But let's get back to Peter and my other guest, Mark Schultz. Peter, as a entrepreneur, is definitely about driving in the dark. I mean, I think about my journey as a business owner and entrepreneur and all of that. And I think about it really feels like driving in the dark, no headlights on, just hoping you hit and grab what you need along the way. And of course, it's held some really good surprises and some not good surprises, as has the year of 2022. And that's one of the things Peter and I talk about. And we, our conversation embodies what Mark Schultz kind of lived through as he, on his journey to authorship and his journey through his existence in the world. Now, Mark, I met on Twitter. I'm pretty sure it was Twitter. I can't always remember where I meet people, but I'm pretty sure it was Twitter and it was a random chance meeting. And I had a conversation with him and then invited him to be on my podcast. And we had a great conversation. We had to split it. He got interrupted, but that made perfect for a separation for a commercial. Um, but his life too, his journey to authorship and his journey to his existence in many ways was like driving in the dark. And so when I saw this song by Palliard, Driving in the Dark, I thought it was the perfect song to balance the message that is between Peter and Mark uh, in this episode. <sighs> I could go on and on, but I don't want to. I want the conversations with these two brilliant human beings, these beautiful human beings to enlighten you to something that maybe you are looking for on your drive in the darkness of life. And hopefully you'll get to the sun on the other side, just like we did. On that note, have a beautiful day and definitely enjoy whatever comes next. At ComfyFitness.com, our work is more about transformation than it is about getting fit because we see the body as the vessel of our mind and spirit. The nervous system holds a record of our life's experiences and influences not only how we move, but how we think, act, and show up in the world. 
We've trained and taught hundreds of clients over the past 15 years and came to see that every body has an injury and trauma history. And this basic fact is something the mainstream fitness industry largely ignores. By integrating nervous system understanding into all of our classes and teaching nervous system-based modalities, we directly access our body's ability to release, strengthen, to feel, heal, and transform. Visit us at comfyfitness.com. Hello, 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 beautiful listeners. Welcome back. I am so excited to be sitting on Zoom with my friend and colleague at the college, Peter James. And well, there's an A in the middle of his name, Peter. I want to get that right. And he teaches business at the College of DuPage, but he also builds leadership in the community and more. Why don't you tell them specifically what you do, Peter? Absolutely, Bonnie Jean. You're so funny. How are you doing, first of all? Oh, it's been a long day already. <laughs> already. <laughs> Good stuff. So excited to be here with you today. Yeah, I um, I actually do some a lot of leadership development for organizations, but I also do a little bit of diversity, equity, and inclusion work um, for organizations, as well as executive coaching. So those are my three hats to a certain extent, executive coaching, leadership development, and diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives for organizations. So when you say executive coaching, what kind of coaching does that entail? I mean, is it is it mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that like you just make someone become the most awesome they can be? <laughs> I like how that sounds. I'll just go with that. <laughs> we might have to talk after the recording. <laughs> I, I know, right? Um, yeah, it's it's a partnership with executives or leaders, executives and or leaders within organizations who are desiring to level up their performance, level up their leadership, level up their uh, next level. That, that sounds like an oxymoron, level up their next level, um, but get to their next level. And, you know, research is showing fine yeah they can do it by themselves they've probably already been successful by themselves but now partnering with someone else accentuates whatever they're trying to get to fast tracks them to a certain extent and allows them to seize the moment and um and 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 get outcomes that they wouldn't normally get by themselves so so there's like accountability as well right oh my goodness yes absolutely and assignments. So, so it's kind of like teaching, but not. Um, yeah. And, and so I know that I know that executives and leaders are very busy. So I'm not giving them homework like that. But I am asking them, you know, as you go throughout the next week of your workplace, identify some things, identify some um, patterns that you need to reflect on how you're leading, you know, how you're responding and, and jot them down. You know, let's let's start going in on how you can begin to shift your own behavior, shift your own narrative so that you can become a better version of yourself. Right. So that's the type of homework we're talking about where it's not like any intensive type of stuff. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And when I do creativity coaching, which is yeah. your identity coaching, which is very similar mm-hmm. for label, probably. Uh, yeah. I do give homework, but the homework is very much that kind of mentality. And it's also things that they need to do in their work. 
So mm-hmm. if you need to write a grant proposal. I say, well, why don't you work on that grant proposal? And then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Nice, nice. Of course, I work a lot with authors who are trying Mm -hmm. to get their communication out there and write their books and, and, you know, be creative um, where you're working with business owners and, right? And business leaders and executives, for sure. And it's a partnership. You know, it's not, as a coach, it's not my responsibility to ever tell them what to do, but it's my responsibility to help pull the answers out of them so that they can be again become the best best versions of themselves, and um, what I mean by pull the answers out of them, if I tell them what to do, they're not going to do it. Right. But if I can pull the answers out of them, ask them powerful questions, um, being a great listener, but also ask them powerful questions, then they're going to be more apt to do what they have decided to do or what they have come up with. Well, when I am meeting with potential clients, the last always ask me the question, so what is it that you do? What's their process? And I go, I don't know, because we haven't started working together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, mean exactly. I have all sorts of tools in my tool bags. Mm-hmm. I can do this, that, and the other. And sometimes I'll work with two people exactly the same, not yeah. usually, but sometimes. And it, it's, it's like, well, I mean, there's a few things I do with everybody, you know, in mm-hmm. conversations, things like that, but everybody's journey is different. So how can I work with you exactly the same? How can I have the same process with you as somebody else? Like our conversation today is going to be different than the co- other conversations right. than being unscripted. And, and, that, and that's so, that's actually very beautiful as well, because you're right, we're all different and we all require different things. And you're, I love how you said the tool bag, because yeah, very similarly, I'm ensuring that my coaching style is tailored to the needs of that particular leader. It's not a one size fits all by any stretch of the imagination. So, so yeah, definitely what, what you said. <laughs> <laughs> what I said. <laughs> well, okay. So I know a lot of people don't know what leadership really is. I talk to people in Toastmasters. I talk to people who are, are, you know, managers at companies. I talk to all sorts of different people and they all have different ideas of leadership. Mm-hmm. As a leadership expert, can you set the record somewhat semi almost straight? <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, thank you for asking that question. I had to first start out by saying that I, I don't like to define leadership. And so, let me, and I'll start out by with that because leaders in every walk of life, we're all leaders. We're leaders of ourselves. We're leaders I of agree. our homes. We're leaders of our, when we drive a car, we're leading our transportation, right? So we're all leaders in some form or facet of our lives. We as society like to think about leaders as presidents or um, coaches of teams, or military leaders, or, you know, someone who leads a revolution, or Gandhi, or, you know, those, or Steve Jobs, those revered leaders who we go to. But what does leadership look like where you are, and how can you be the best leader you need to be for your sphere of influence? right? There are some overlapping leadership qualities that I like to think will translate to many different areas and fields. But for the most part, um, 
it's really nuanced to who you are and what you are doing and would like to accomplish, right? There's toxic leaders out there. We can think of the, the Jim Joneses and the Adolf Hitlers, right? Those, mm-hmm. are, and we've got some that are playing in the world um, arena right now. We're not going to go into detail on that right <laughs> now, right? Yeah, there's some but toxicity out there. Absolutely. There is that, yeah. So, yeah. So how is doing work with coaching and being a college professor different? Like, <laughs> I mean, there's some overlap, but like when you're, when you're leading, when you're instructing, you're guiding your students, that's different than when you're working. Yeah. With, you know, yeah. Um, which is, which do you like, wait, I shouldn't ask you. <laughs> Don't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny. <laughs> Don't want that to come back and bite you sometime. But what, what is different about them? I mean, like, why do yeah. both? Why not do one or the other? I mean, I, I mean, I know it's not just about you know having a living and all of that, but yeah. Um, but why why make your life really busy with doing both aspects? Um, it's interesting because I, I was thinking about leaving teaching um, a few years ago, but someone said to me. Um, what is the influence that you have on those kids, those students who are coming in your classroom? What are they walking away with? And it made me reflect on um, the influence that I have on students who come through my entrepreneurship classes. And while they may not start a business by the time they finish, the entrepreneurship skill set and or entrepreneurship mindset that they're able to adopt will greatly benefit them for the rest of their careers. And I paused a little bit and said, yeah, while I love the coaching thing and the leadership development thing and the diversity, equity, inclusion that I mentioned, there's some still some value that I would still like to instill and even bring over from that area that I just described to teaching that may still benefit i always say if one student gets it during the Mm -hmm. semester it's a win for me but couldn't you do that part-time you know instead of being a full-time professor you could be a part-time professor and run your business that's what i've done for 20 years is part-time professor part-time business owner because i didn't want to put so much of all my time into the teaching side of it Mm -hmm. and you know and yeah i'm just i'm just curious i mean it's yeah yeah i'm working towards that Short answer to that is I'm working towards that very, very quickly. You blink a couple of times and I'll be there. Then you'll be asking me that, oh, what happened? I thought you were full time. And I'll be like, I thought I, thought I was too. <laughs> I will tell you a piece of news because um, I've already publicly put it out there. It's our, the cat's already out of the bag. Yeah. Long out of the bag by the time this actually airs. Um, I put in notice to take a leave of absence from teaching Um formal classes. I'll still be an educator, but an educator in a different way. And I, um, so for the summer and the fall, not going to teach at all in the formal classroom. Okay. The goal is for my business to build itself up and my writing to build itself up and some big things have been happening, which I can share with you offline, um, off, off recording because they're not public knowledge yet. So I want to make sure that I don't put them in a public knowledge space. But I, I, I decided that, you know, my goal was never to be a, a teacher, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and I, I've been doing it. And so I put it, I told my dean that I want to take that leave of absence. And if everything goes right, I won't be back in the spring of 2023. 
and wow. in su supportive and you know part of doing that is because i don't want to like abandon the union so that will allow me to let my um union eligibility run itself out over mm -hmm. the year so i can still help them find a transition someone to take my place but i just you're right you know the students that get it and the students that i inspire mm -hmm. have been wonderful but the there's so many levels of political correctness that's the mm -hmm. word I'm going to use that i just that's not how i want to educate i want yeah. to educate through this podcast through my writing right through yeah. coaching through other through even tutoring i would do you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to grade anymore. I um, the in in the higher education there is a we're bound by a lot of parameters. Oh yeah, state especially if it's a public institution, state, um, local sometimes, and um, it it does inhibit a little bit of what you can do. Don't get me wrong, I have a enough autonomy. But at the same time, there's a lot of parameters that we have to abide by. And sometimes that can be a little bit restrictive. Um, I'm a big advocate of driving your own career. Mm -hmm. Ooh, right. And what I mean by that is oftentimes I, I ask students this all the time um, and come in an entrepreneurship class. Literally, I say, think about it in your think about your family or your friend network. Who absolutely loves their job i mean literally is bouncing in the mornings when they're getting ready to go 90 percent of my students come back and be like i don't got nobody like that in my life and these are young kids mostly right mm -hmm. the usually the five to ten percent that do one or two of a class they have they own their own business usually Every now and then I have somebody who says, I, my dad loves his job, but mostly they love it because they own their business. I'm not even suggesting that's just the recipe for success, but at the very least, driving your career should mean you making the decisions proactively as opposed to reacting to what the man is telling you. Right. You know, and actually, that would make a great title of a book. Uh, <laughs> a book yet? You've got a book out there, right? In the world, I don't have. I don't have a formal book just yet. It's in the works, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, drive your career would be a great book ah. for you to, to for you to write. And it sounds like it. I might, it, have, I might to. have to take that title. Um, <laughs> but, Please do. Please do. But you know, you make a really valid point, and I don't know if I t if you knew, but this year, twenty twenty two, my year of choice. And like it. it's my year of well, specifically, let me, let me, I brand my year every year. It's choice me too. or me too. And it's finding the power in choosing me. Love and, it. And that's not about, you know, me being selfish and I'm self-centered. It's about listening to the world and what is serving me and what is not serving me. And yes, I will acknowledge that there was something that happened that forced my the decision to actually execute it but i'd already made the decision i just mm -hmm. needed the oomph to execute the decision to lead to make this decision to to leave teaching in the classroom traditionally because i'm a loyal person and i will stay until you know everything is 
unked out of me. Unked out of me? Hmm. Is that a, <laughs> that's a new that's word. I'm going with. <laughs> um, so, but you know, it really was my choice. It was what mm-hmm. I did, and it was what I wanted all along. And mm-hmm. I really have people are like, so how do you feel about it? I'm like, yes, I made the choice. I did it. I took the step. And, you know, I did this, I took the leave of absence back in 2014. That was actually right around when we met. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my intention was to not go back then, but then my then husband lost his job and I had to go back because he, water under the bridge passed, you know, so this time I'm doing it right. The correct way, the the, the way that will, will keep me, you know, on the pursuit of taking them, reaching that next level of my career choosing my path choosing it i love that i love that word choice um and i love the fact first of all that you have identified a word for your year um choice is such a good one because you choose you what i heard you say and that oftentimes we don't choose ourselves enough we think we do but we don't it doesn't mean buying stuff for yourselves or going on vacations and stuff it means from a life perspective, how are you ensuring that you're taking care of you so that you can show up better for others as you move forward? Right. My words for 2022 are bold and courageous. Uh, bold was my word a few years ago. Yeah. Last year was thrive. Of course, I didn't feel like I thrived much, but that was part of because of what was going on in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The year before that was growth. And before that, I think was health. So, and I always brand it with like three something subheadings. This was the first year I only did a sentence as my branding because I thought it was important because choosing yourself, Mm -hmm. I've always done and chosen other people. So, you know, Mm. about boldness and what was the other word you said? The courageous, courageous. So bold and courageous. So how can people be bold and create bold and courageous in their leadership and in their choosing of themselves, so to speak? Yeah. So let's go back to that whole career dynamic that we were starting to talk about bold and courageous for your career. And, and you and I can both even relate as we're talking about, you know, taking leaves of absence or thinking about what the future looks like. Again, oftentimes we are waiting for our bosses and our managers and our leaders to say, oh, it's time for you to get promoted or here's the schedule for you to get promoted. But when is it time for you to make that move before someone else tells you that it's time to make that move? When is it time for you to start that business before someone says it's okay for you to start that business? Oftentimes we are our own worst enemy when it comes to that. We will sit on the sidelines and say we're going to do something for a long, long time. When in fact we should have jump, we should jump into the pool sooner rather than later instead of hesitating. The challenge is we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of messing up we're afraid of setbacks and really failure all it is really mostly is embarrassment you know and i think you know i'm not necessarily afraid of failure because truthfully I, you've are in my mind you've already failed if you don't try mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can't fail if you try you may not succeed but mm-hmm. fail in, in my mind and then you know and that's my teaching philosophy even you know if my students just try They'll get at least get a D in the class. You know, mm-hmm. students, the students that turn nothing in, those are the ones I have to fail because they haven't tried. If you yeah. at least try, you're going to get that D. But I mean, it's just like, 
I might, you know, you read my memoir. I mean, it's still not out yet, but I know you read it. I did. Um, and it's like, why am I holding back? And it's because I just, I, I have this worry of letting other people down or hurting other people. Like, I'm mm. worried about being embarrassed, but it's like, what if it isn't as, as, as successful or, you know, as I hope it's going to be mm-hmm. that will let people who've supported me down. So mm. it's easier to just wait, but mm. like, I think it needs to get out there and let's stay, let's stay with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are people to let down? I have no idea. <laughs> what are you, my therapist? I had therapy earlier today. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, Interestingly, I really have no idea. Yeah. And, and that's the issue because I can't pinpoint it. Who am I letting down except me? Yeah. And I love that you said that, though, because you're so many people in society, we say we are embarrassed or we're letting somebody down and we really don't even know who it is. And so it's important to take that step back to say, what is this really about? What's if I peel back the layer, what's this really, really about? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the decision to, to finally step up and, and, and give the notice, you know, for teaching, um, I, that, that I can pinpoint, you know, I didn't want to let down my fellow adjuncts. I didn't want to let down the union because I do have such a strong role in activism with trying to make things better for fellow adjuncts. Mm-hmm. At some point, you know, I can only do so much if others aren't willing to step up themselves and do work too. If they just let it rest on the handful of leaders who step up, they need to step up and be leaders in some way, shape or form too. Cause you're right, leadership is in so many different forms. It's yes. not just about being in, the, in a role um, an officer role. It's also about, you know, following, being a good follower yes. in the officer roles. Yes. Being a good follower, I think is a, should preface being a good leader mm-hmm. because he- then you'll understand what is needed. You'll understand what your followers need, but oftentimes when individuals get in leadership positions, it's not really about their followers. It's about mm-hmm. them. Right. And, and that, and that always drive, drives me nuts. They become, they become like the power goes to their head and they, they forget. Yeah. Pissed. yeah. It's like, it's my way or the highway attitude. And I'm like, but that's not leadership. No. Dictatorship. And what I want to see is collaborative leadership, Yeah. You know, collaborative working together to, to solve the issues or whatever we're doing. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. That, and that's also a good point too. You think about leadership of, I, I compare 20th century leadership and 21st century leadership. 20th century leadership, um, you, you and I are probably around the same age. We were told, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. It was command and control. Don't ask questions. I told you, I gave you the directive. Mm-hmm. But today's follower needs empowerment. They mm-hmm. need to feel like they're part of a team. They want to feel like there's opportunity for them to grow. They want to feel like there's direction, there's values. And if yes. you're not providing that collaborative spirit as a leader that you described, then you are not succeeding for the benefit of your followers. You're more succeeding for you. What's, what's funny is like what you described as what we grew up with is this idea of micromanaging us, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, I rebelled against it so hard growing up because I couldn't stand it. Right. And really funny. You bring that up because my students, I 
I purposely like do this whole sink or swim mentality. I don't micromanage them on assignments at all. I don't, you know, like I give them what's in the syllabus on the papers and that's pretty much it. And they're like, more details. I'm like, I'm not going to micromanage you. There's 20. <laughs> I expect 20 different papers. Like that, that's just how it is because you, you're 20 different identities and personalities and conceptualized. So so it takes them to the, the fifth unit to finally figure out that they have a voice and I'm, I'm trying to get them to say it because even though we do have this collaborative world where they need to be inspired, they're mm -hmm. still taught in the elementary schools and high schools that yes. this, this micromanagement style in many schools. And yeah. hey, funny story, I was working as, I was in Toastmasters and the district director I was a, a, an area director and the district director gave us assignments and she's like, I don't know why people keep saying I micromanage. I just tell you what I want done. I tell you how to do it. And then I expect it to be done. And I'm, I'm sitting here scratching my head going, um, that's like the very definition of micromanagement. I mean, so crazy. Yeah. You can say, here's what I want done. Here's how I would do it as a, as a starting point for you. I, I encourage you to find your own way to do it. And then it just needs to be done. <laughs> For managing, it's, in, you know, I'll tell people how I do things. Not that I expect it to be done that way, unless it's my billing information and my company finance. But that's a different discussion. <laughs> that's another discussion for another time. We probably need to have one about uh, small business management sometime too, right? Um <laughs> You said something that it also reminded me of the kids as they're coming up. You think about it, most kids in grade school and high school, they're put into that box where oh. they're told all the time what they have to do and where they go and how they need to line up and what it takes to succeed. And they, they got to focus on that A, B, C, D. And mm -hmm. so when they're when they're dropped out into the real world, they're like, what? What do I do? I'll, I'll even give you one quick example. I was in the military. A lot of veterans struggle because the military is so structured mm -hmm. that when they come out, there's no structure. You can make your own way. However, many of us still don't know how to do that on our own. We're not doing a good job of teaching our students how to drive the car. Well, and, and you know, what's interesting about that is we, we don't teach people how to be themselves and to come into their beautiful brilliance. Oh, yeah, I like that. I have students that when I tell them, I, I mean, I refer to them as beautiful, brilliant learners in my, in all of my announcements and emails to them. And they're like, you're not afraid. People are like, you're not afraid to call your students beautiful. They might interpret. I go, I don't care. They're beautiful. I want them to know they're beautiful. And I have this mission of redefining beauty in the world. I, I don't know if I told you I'm, I'm working on launching a not-for-profit specifically aimed on, on, on partnering with educational institutions on teaching and redefining beauty in the world and ending bullying. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and it's, uh, it's called Some Pig Enterprises. Yeah, yes. Some, pi some Pig Enterprise? Uh -huh. Does that mean that right? Yes, I'm naming my not-for-profit organization an enterprise because I'm trying to break the rules a little bit and the conventions and go outside the box. But there's also a reason of where it comes from, where the whole Some Pig Enterprises comes from. Hmm. Interesting. Let's Interesting. See if you can pick up on it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm I know my that. listeners are going, you've already talked about this, Bonnie G. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, funny. You're have good. you read the book Charlotte's Web? Many moons ago, of, of course. Yes, it, it stems from that. Ah. stems from that. And, and Charlotte's mission is to teach Wilbur his beauty. So that's, hmm. we might have to talk because I've never started a not-for-profit before. I might need your help. Yeah, we should talk about that for sure. I'd be more than happy to. Um, <laughs> you're so funny. What are you laughing about? We'll turn that off, off the air. You <laughs> listen to those planning details. <laughs> we got to start talking um, some numbers and stuff. We can't talk that with everybody. No, no, that, that, they, we don't want to bore our listeners. But speaking of our listeners and mm -hmm. your time and my time, we are close to our time. Ah, this is wow. a great conversation. We're already near the end. Hey. So for, first I want to say, if people want to find you, if they want to reach out to you, ask you questions, we'll maybe hire you as a, as a, as a career coach or a executive uh, coach, you know, which, which <laughs> whatever it is <laughs> yeah. how would they reach out and find you yeah i appreciate you asking um i got i got a website it's called shiftyourmindset.com shiftyourmindset.com or you could find me on any social media platform probably preferably linkedin at dr peter a james that's d-r-p-e-t-e-r-a-j-a-m-e-s and i'm I, I would like to think i respond relatively quickly but um, I've been busy lately and I've been, it's been taking me like 48 hours, not 24. So, so bear with me if I can get back to you in 48. Yeah, sometimes it takes time. Yeah. yeah. What is one thought you want to leave with our listeners today about um, leadership or equity or career hunting or driving a car even? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of, um, Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. Um, it's called Mindset. In it, she talks about two different individuals, an individual who has a fixed mindset, individual who has a growth mindset. I'm, I really um, adhere to that growth mindset perspective. And I encourage all of your listeners to reflect on, hey, how is my mindset as it relates to my career, my future? opportunities, differences in the world, leadership for that matter? Am I open to learning all the time? Do I always think that I can learn more? Do I think that I can put do anything that I put my mind to? If you can really embrace that growth mindset, you're well on your way to be successful as you define it. Not as success as any society defines, as you define it. Because I can't define success for you either. And neither can Bonnie Jean. Right. Well, I hope I can define sex success for Bonnie Jean because. <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're right. I I can't define it for my listeners or yeah. for clients or for it, my anybody. That yeah. sound advice, and I thank you. Uh, maybe advice isn't the right word. That's mm. sound mindset. Ooh. Love that mindset. Love that mindset love word. Yes. Well, I thank you for that mindset encouragement. And listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this conversation with Peter and I. And I hope you have a beautiful day and do enjoy whatever comes next. Dojo Kun character books are fun fictional children's picture books with the right amount of weirdness and character building. 
In the can-do Karate Kid, Makoto brings laziness and procrastination with him everywhere. That is, until he realizes these monsters are ruining his life. This book helps kids learn to defeat laziness and procrastination by using karate power. And the two true Karate Kid's friends, Makoto and Michi, both want a dog. When one of them cannot have a dog, the dishonesty monster pushes them apart. This book helps children fight dishonesty and value honesty. And the follow-through Karate Kids, Makoto and Michi dream of painting a mural at their dojo. But every time the kids move toward their goal, the quitting monster attacks. This book helps kids learn to use hard work and perseverance to achieve goals. Learn more at jennifertolgogger.com or order at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com or at bookstores. Christian author Jeff S. Bray brings you his latest novel, The Transference, a crime suspense thriller about a team of detectives in search of a serial killer that won't die. Visit his website for more information on this book and others he has written. Visit Jeff S. Bray author today. That's jeffsbrayauthor.com. Thank you for your support. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, beautiful listeners. I am excited to be here. Yay. Always excited to be here. You know that. And today I'm excited to be here with someone who until about, oh, an hour ago was a complete virtual, not quite stranger because we've been talking via Twitter for now, I don't know, a while on and off. And I saw his posts and said, I got to have you on my podcast. And lo and behold, we're here today. I'm here with with Mark Schultz. I'm so excited. So Mark, I'm just going to let you tell the folks out there in the in the, the listening land who you are and what you do and your, a little bit about your awesomeness. Greetings and hallucinations all. Oh, I forgot. You may not be a child of the 60s like I am. So let's just leave it at hello. It's a good day here in Florida. And I just moved here a little over a year ago from Oregon. And that's a big change, yes, indeed. So I'm on Twitter and I love Twitter. Well, I should say I love the writing community of Twitter. Much of Twitter is, I wouldn't even bother to be on, but I love the writing community and I love to read. And people who write books are my best friends. And sometimes I'm their best friend also. I'm on Twitter as the word refiner. I am a proofreader with a little bit of editing on top as an extra, but not a whole lot of that. But proofreading is my specialty. Spelling is my specialty. I, my brain is wired differently from that of a lot of people, it seems. Because when I read a book, I find spelling errors every time. I read 40 to 60 books a year, and I find spelling errors in all of them except one. Once a year, and this average is held for the last seven or eight years, I find a book with no spelling errors. And I, I celebrate. It's such a joy and a change because when I find a spelling error, it just stops me in my tracks. Now, sometimes I laugh because it's a homophone, you know, words that are spelled differently 
and mean differently, but they are pronounced the same. Sometimes there's a typographical error and that can get really silly at times. And so I have a little, a giggle, and then I keep reading. But it's, I've learned to get back into the reading pretty quickly, but still it's much more fun if I don't get kicked out of it by a spelling error. So that's me. I'm on Twitter as the word refiner and my website, wordrefiner.com. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. You talk about spelling errors in books. I'm a huge Dean Koontz fan, like huge. Like I, I, at some day I want to own every single book that he has in hardcover. I'm working on it, but every time I buy a couple new books, he comes out with a couple, couple new books. So he's so far ahead of me. Like I, I have like 40 of his books and, and oh. when I printed out the list of all his books to start checking off, he had 98 books and I'm like, okay, this is great. And I'm <laughs> 40. Yay. And now he's got like 150 books out. I'm like, really? Oh, I can't keep up. This is too expensive. But I, I will buy them all eventually. So it, it but, but one of his books I was reading and I'm, and I, well, all of them, I always catch errors in his books. Sorry, Mr. Coons, but you got <laughs> You got to go back to those proofreaders. Um, yep. It's funny because people will look at me and go, what are you saying? You can't have a hundred percent proofreading or editing or, you know, a, a, no editor should ever be a hundred percent. I go, well, take a look at any of Dean Koontz's book. You'll find at least one error in each of those, which means whoever's proofing or editing his books is not a hundred percent and he's a big name. So how can you expect a little name, future big name to <laughs> come up with a hundred percent if the big names that are out there now don't even have a hundred percent. And usually that actually clinches the deal and they sign me because I'm so honest and upfront. I mean, I, I, like I do do my best, but you know, as somebody else who likes to refine words, uh, it's, just really, you know, can't expect perfection in everything. And that's just how life is. But I did think about what you could, instead of just only saying proofreader, you can say you're a proofreader plus. <laughs> plus, I like that, Bonnie Jean, I do. <laughs> proofreader plus, because you do- I might even use that. You, I'm a brander. I help people brand and come up with identity aspects. So I listened to what you told me you did in our pre-conversation. And I really, you know, think that you proofread and you're primarily proofreading before layout and design, which is, is, is actually a very important stage. Fellow writers, ladies and gentlemen, you need to proofread before you send it to layout. Anyway, um, but you also check for some of those other things that a line editor checks for, but not all the things a line editor checks for. So you, you proofreader plus is probably a really good, you know, straight yes. word. It, it, it tells you it's more than just a proofreader. So I like that. I like that. I like that also. It's succinct. It is. And it's alliterative. Yes. And then you can say P, just the letter P and a plus sign, and you got your P plus. Though that sounds mm -hmm. weird. No, forget about that one. Proofreader plus works much better. I just had a logo designed and P and a plus is not in there. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I take that one back. Sometimes you have to talk through things. To yes, wrong. absolutely. 
And sometimes you talk through things and know it's right. In this case, proofreader plus works. The other doesn't. We let's yes. not mention it again. Let's have a drink of our water and stay hydrated. Okay. Now that that's done, we can move on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so what is your favorite genre of, of things to read or to proofread plus? Well, <laughs> uh, thank you for asking, Bonnie Jean. There was a pause. Uh, there was. We'll talk about yes. that in a minute. <laughs> okay, you can edit that out if you wish. Nope, 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 no editing. Okay. Uh, my favorite genre is science fiction and has been for most of my life. I grew up reading Asimov and Poole and um, Harbin and uh, oh, who wrote the Dune stuff? Frank Herbert and a lot of stuff like that. I love that stuff. Then in ooh, junior high, uh, a relative gave me a paperback set of the Lord of the Rings and I had not read any amount of fantasy because I was still trying to read all the science fiction books that had been written so far. And I was falling behind quickly. Um, I loved Lord of the Rings. It is now my second, fantasy is my second favorite genre and really close to being number one. It's neck and neck. And uh, I loved the Lord of the Rings so much. I read it three times by the time I graduated from high school. Mm. And it, it is still a favorite of mine, uh, high fantasy, and all that Tolkien did, great, great set. But I love a lot of other fantasy writing also. And then historical fiction is my third favorite genre, and oh, I love that stuff. What, what's interesting is Lord of the Rings is one of those books that... I just couldn't, I read the first one mostly. I read The Hobbit. I loved The Hobbit. Don't know why. Yes. Hobbit loved the movie The Hobbit, loved everything, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings, and I just can't get into it. No matter what I do, I just, I couldn't get into it. And then the movies come out. And so my friend, who's like the huge, most, she's just a huge, huge, um, Lord of the Ring fan. Um, mm -hmm. We watched the first movie and I fall asleep. <laughs> like I'm not you even fell asleep. I fell asleep. Oh, oh my gosh! And then a, year, a few years later, I try to watch it again and I fell asleep again. <laughs> I, I know maybe it's sacrilegious to say this, but I love I love fantasy. I love science fiction, but mm -hmm. just can't get into the Lord of the Rings for some reason. And I have no idea why, like, I love The Hobbit, so it's not like the, I, I don't like his writing. Yep. It's yep. like, there's just something about the story of Lord of the Rings, even though it's connected to The Hobbit, that it yep. doesn't do it for me. And, and, and what's so funny over the years is like, other things that have high, super high levels of, of you know, you have to read it and this is so big a deal. And there's such pressure, especially movies, like, like Forrest Gump, for instance, it had such hype in the theaters and everybody loved it so much. Like the first time I watched it, I went, what was the point of that? 
Okay, um, sure. Now I've, as an educator and as a sociologist, have rewatched it a couple of times from a different lens. And, and I won't say it's one of my favorite movies, but I can see the benefit of Forrest Gump and I can also see why people like it so much. I don't, I personally wouldn't put it amongst my favorite movies, though Tom Hanks is a phenomenal actor and he did a phenomenal job. Yes. I, I'm more of a, you know, Blue Adept, I love, I don't even know who the author of that was, but the Adept series, those were so phenomenal. It's, it's a fantasy um, with some science fiction S, but it's mostly fantasy. And mm -hmm. when I was younger, I read a lot more pleasure reading because now as a, as a editor and a writer, I'm in probably the equivalent of 40 manuscripts a year. And it leaves a lot of time, it leaves me not a lot of time to enjoy reading. Yes. do words all day long and then you sit down at your couch to to relax i i don't want to look at words anymore so i i do a lot more movie watching now but when in my younger days you talk about 40 books a year when i was in junior high high school and into college i would read equivalent of 20 books a week on average um, I figured it up one somewhere around conservatively between 10 and 20,000 books I've read in my lifetime, not counting the work I do as a, an editor and writer. So nice. I, there's a lot of books in my head and, yes. I, and there's the books that I'm writing. So mm -hmm. like I, I, I write science fiction and I write historical fiction and I put, also put them together in one genre. Um, or anti-historical fiction is the case because I, I have a time travel book. So, well, I love time travel. Technically, it's a coming of age story with a time travel backdrop and an anti-historical subset. Because there's <laughs> that about fascinating. Yeah, there's like two chapters, three chapters where the world goes all wonky because time gets messed up, and mm -hmm. then fix it. And so right now, I'm I, I go through it quickly. The, 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 the anti-historical aspect. And I, because that's not the point of the story that the story is not yeah. the anti-historical subtext, but everybody's like, oh, all my beta readers, like you rushed through that anti-history so quickly. And I'm like, yeah, I was playing, I was purposely going through it. So, <laughs> so, so I have to stretch it out at least another chapter, I think, because right now it's in like two, three chapters. I think I need to make it in like four or five chapters, but mm -hmm. this is a 40 to 50 chapter book already. Like, <sighs> oh. yeah. So I, I, I even, I have to get this book done because I have an agent who's been waiting forever for it. And yeah, I, I just Better get on the stick girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually, I have some client work this week and then next week, that is my number one priority is finishing that book. I'm determined. Mm -hmm to do that because she's going to love it sign me and i'm going to be the next dean coons ish <laughs> great now who is who did you say dean coons is dean coons you don't know who dean coons is well, i i've heard the name i've never read any of his books <gasps> oh it's still my heart oh i'm dying here people <sighs> yep she's gone I, I, There's I'm an opening sorry. for a blogger. Oh, wait, I guess not. She's back. I'm back. Woohoo! I came back from the dead. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't. So yes. He's an action thriller type of writer. Is that correct? Um, uh, not quite. 
not action, more psychological thriller-ish. Psycho okay, okay. With Good some enough. fantasy s, but not fantasy in the fantasy sense. Like so, his odd series, um, his his odd Thomas series. There's like six books now, eight books. I don't know. I can't keep. Now, um, I haven't read anything about him, so. Yeah, so it starts with Odd Thomas, who, which is the title, the title character, and it's a young man who has the ability to see the dead, and okay. the ability to see the dead, but they can't talk to him, like he can't hear their voices, at least in the mm -hmm. beginning, he can only see them, they can walk, lead him places, they can, you know, do things, you know, show him things, but they can't talk to him. Yes. So his life is impeded by this. And, and in this, in the first book, you can't necessarily, um, he can't always tell for sure which are the dead and which are the living. So it gets merged together sometimes and it impedes his life greatly. And then of course there's the follow-up books. I've only read two of the, the to Odd Thomas books, but I love Odd Thomas because he's, mm -hmm. he's, it's, it's the way Dean Koontz writes his material is it's, even though we're talking oh, supernatural, that's what it's supernatural thrillers. They tend okay. to be supernatural. So like there's there's about a goo coming from the center of the earth coming up and 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 devouring people, or you have a psychic connection between a mother and a son in, in another mm -hmm. book. Um, so you have different aspects, and some are a little more you know um, supernatural, and some are less supernatural, but they're they're in some variety of that. Um, and most of them are set in a California scenery because he's from California. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I, but, met, my, I met my wife in California. I grew up in Southern California. We were in San Francisco. Yeah, I've been there. I've driven across the bridge mm -hmm. and kept going south. But Good move now. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so Dean, that's what Dean Koontz's books are about. There's this, this supernatural thriller, but he writes them in such a way that they're so realistic that even if you don't believe in things like ghosts and, and angels or goo coming up from the earth, mm -hmm. um, you believe them. But he doesn't only do those. Like the, one of my uh, favorite books is a psychological thriller about a serial killer called Intensity. And I, if, if you like intense books, this book is the most intense book I've ever read. And there's nothing supernatural about it at all, though the main character might think he is supernatural. But that, that's a whole other discussion. It's, it's about a serial killer. And it's about <clears throat> the process the serial killer goes through. And it's about a woman who um, tries to save one of his victims. That's all I'm going to say about it because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. But it is, it, it's a hard read because he, he does not pull any punches. He shares details. Like mm. it's very highly detailed in his descriptions of everything. And like, it, it is a good book. Um, if you're looking for a softer book as a starting book, A Key to Midnight is the first book I read other than um, Oddkins. Oddkins is his adult fairy tale. So I had read Odkins first and loved it, but then I discovered A Key to Midnight and read it. And that's that's about a, a, a psychic connection between a mother and a son. Um, so that's, it's a, it's a softer read. And he did two versions. He wrote a version years ago when it was originally published. And then he did a full revision version 
Um, and the revision just goes in depth, in more depth, fuller descriptions. You know, you can see his growth as a writer from the version one to the version two. And, and I, I actually wrote a report about it for a class. So it's, mm -hmm. it's like, those are some books that definitely check out. And if you fall in love with his writing from those, then, then, then jump into intensity. Um, but yeah. I, I, I don't like really intense and gory books. What's I, I'm when there's a lot of blood and spl and splatter and gore, I, I don't enjoy that. See, there's not there's not so much of that. It what's really okay. it's very it's very detailed and, and I mean there's a little bit of it. I mean you you mm -hmm. a killer, you obviously are going to have some blood. Yep. Um, but it's it, there's a male voice. He is here. Oh how fun. So if you like, we can pause this for a moment and I will relocate to another room. That we can resume if you'd like to. Yeah, because I think we're we have about 10 more minutes of combo left that we we were we were yeah. So yes, yep. we, we can pause. We're we're gonna put a pause in and we'll, okay. so we'll take a break and pause and come back in a moment. Okay. Well, folks, we're back. Little teeny break in the middle there. It happens. This is what happens when you record live. Life happens. And now we have a whole different view. Now I'm looking at a children's bedroom instead of uh, 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 the child's father. But it's okay. Pink instead of white. Yeah, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like the little stars behind you. They're cool. Yeah, I, I actually installed those for them. Aw. That means you're a good grandpa. I am. <sighs> we got five grandkids five grandkids that's beautiful yes obviously one of them is well I, I shouldn't say that because you know boys can like pink too so is one of them a girl or presents as a girl I, I don't even know what language to use anymore <laughs> all all of the grandchildren in this house are girls so all were born female and live their life yep. as a girl yep Okay, cool. And they and one of them at least likes stars. They all do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so five granddaughters. What? Nope, nope. Um, three granddaughters. All of them in this house are okay, granddaughters. Gotcha. The our sons, our son has a stepdaughter and a son. Okay, gotcha. Actually, she's not a stepdaughter. Is she a stepdaughter? He adopted her. So yeah. So an adoptive daughter. So, yeah. so you have five grandkids, and they're all in the same house, or or nope. Oh, they're uh, the uh, the adopted. Our son lives in South Carolina. Okay. This daughter lives in Florida. Gotcha, gotcha. Isn't Schultz the same name as the guy who wrote the Peanuts? No. Oh. There's no that? T in his last name. That's right. And I met him once. Ah, briefly, so, but there's about six ways to spell Schultz. Right. I did know that. I, I, you know, what's funny is I don't think I've ever seen his name not signatured. So mm -hmm. don't think I ever noticed that there wasn't a T in his name. What's his first name? Is his first name Mark as well? No. Nope. Charles. That's right. Charles Schultz. Yep. Gotcha. And you're Mark Schultz. Okay, yep. so you, I, I wanted to, I think this is, bleh, now I'm stumbling over words. Um, I want, wanted to talk to you um, about 
you have a bit of a speech impediment. You pause, you made that comment about pausing before you said anything. I think it's really important to talk about because people out in the listening world, you know, who do have impediments with speaking or have some other um, ability issue or some other uh, hindrance in their existence uh, or are told they have a hindrance because let's just face it, it's the outside world telling you you can't do something because of something they perceive as a hindrance. But you've obviously worked hard to incorporate it into your life while at the same time not letting it be a hindrance. Can you want to, can you want to share a little bit? <laughs> sure. <laughs> a little bit. I'd be happy to share about this, Bonnie Jean. So I started to stammer uh, shortly after my mom left my, my bio dad. Uh, before that time, I was speaking perfectly clear. But after that separation and the eventual divorce, um, it impacted me more than I knew then and even completely understand now. But the stammer came about as a result of that in the Stammer manifests itself when I get nervous and I, my tongue gets tied up and I can feel that coming. I can feel the tension building in my tongue. And I learned at an pretty early age that I, if I could choose a different word, that sometimes I could avoid the stammer. And I, because I read a lot, read so much as a kid and loved words, it was pretty easy for me most of the time to find a replacement word and thus avoid the stammer. Since that time, I've learned that I can pause. It's okay if I take a moment to let the tension leave my mouth. People aren't going to run away and think I'm weird. Mm -hmm. Although they told me that in junior high that I was weird, but you know. Yeah. We all hear that. Yeah, I, I tell people thank you when they call me weird. I say thanks. I know I'm uniquely different. And then I say yes. uniquely different and gifted and beautiful. Yep. Yes, yeah. All of those things. Well exactly. You talk about pauses like you've been in Toastmasters. Well, I have not been in Toastmasters, <laughs> but I did take a course in public speaking from Dale Carnegie. Okay, I'm familiar. Not the man himself, but it was a class that he had designed or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. was branded with his name. That's all I know for sure. Yeah, I'm and familiar it, with the Dale Carnegie. It, <laughs> the Dale Carnegie program. Yes. So most people don't know, listeners, I also have a speech impediment. My was um, when I was a kid and stress does bring it on worse. I invert my R's and W's. So when I'm under a really stressful situation, I will start saying W's like R's and R's like W's. And I have too learned that when I hear it coming out my mouth, I need to pause and go back and, re and sometimes choosing different words. Um, and some mm -hmm. people actually impede me to a point where I like the word that I'm trying to say, like I'll say, so for instance, I would wanna say the word right as an R-I-G-H-T versus the word what right. We know that's wrong. That's the same pronunciation. <laughs> yes, there's a homophone for you. I, I was being I was being funny. But 
let's go with a word that um, row versus whoa. Um, so mm -hmm. would want to say like row your boat, and I would be like whoa your boat, whoa your boat, and it, it's clearly a different sound. So you know, I might have to think of something about like go move or paddle or or something like that as opposed to row. Um, I'm not nervous right now, but I, I think it's important we talk about these things because you know we're we're human and and sometimes life affects us and. Mm -hmm. I, I think you, you're brilliant and beautiful and you have done, hey, this is one of the, the best conversations. I, I'm sad we have to end here in a couple minutes because yes. I know you're, I know you have a wife calling to do things. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the fun part of family, right? That you yep. go and do things with family and um, now you're, you moved to Florida um, permanently though, right? Yes. Um, and you're, and you're, you said one child lives in North Carolina, but this one lives in Florida as well. So right. did you move there to be closer to them? Yep, we did. Yeah. Both our son and that daughter, they all both decided to relocate to the East Coast. And they didn't want to leave their kids with us in Oregon. You know, so that makes sense. That left us with a choice. Florida. And since we wanted to avoid ice and a lot of snow, we decided Florida was the best choice rather than I, I, South Carolina. I've never been to Oregon. It's an interesting place. It, it's one of the states I haven't been to. I also have not been to South Carolina yet. One of the states I haven't been to. Mm -hmm. um, They're both beautiful. Yeah. And I, I have a book that I said in South Carolina that I, I have never been to South Carolina. So I'm writing it on research and not on physical being there so what yep and google street map what was that and google street you know i <laughs> i started it when i was in eighth grade oh okay it through high school so it was mm -hmm. long before google maps yes and street and google whatever it was long before the internet so i was in the library looking at actual maps of the city and actual yes listeners who are are younger than the age of 30 there are some things like physical paper maps and I had an atlas I loved my atlas and in fact I just had to throw my atlas away like three years ago I guess that's still just right and I wanted to replace it and couldn't find a new paper atlas anywhere that was decent all of them were like these incomplete they, they were all incomplete and people were like well they're not going to spend all the money to put together what they we used to have because you've got google maps and I'm like Google Maps isn't the same, mm -hmm. <sighs> but that's okay. <sighs> you understand as a writer and a reader, you you yep. like you like the paper books, right? Yep. Yep. Although I don't have hardly any real books anymore because we've moved. We had to pare way down. Yeah. So now most of my reading is done on my Kindle, which I happen to like a lot. I, I haven't, I have a Kindle. I have a book that I started five years ago. <laughs> I think I'm on page 46. And every time I go into it, it takes me right back to the same page I was at before. Mm -hmm. So either I don't like reading on the Kindle or the book isn't intriguing enough to keep me focused. Or both. Or both. See, ladies and gentlemen, this man, Mark Schultz, is a brilliant man. He, he gets it. 
I really enjoyed talking to you and hope we can do it again sometime. And, and who knows, maybe we'll work together on something. Love I would enjoy all of those possibilities. <laughs> so tell folks if they want to find you again, how exactly they find you so that they can go hunt you down so you can be their proofreader plus. Well, if you're on Twitter and I've, you can find me easily as word refiner. And that's also my website name, wordrefiner.com. Straightforward. If you want yep. words refined, he's your guy. If you want to talk about life, we're all your I, people. <laughs> yep, I can do that too. I've lived life for, for close to 70 years now. I'll say oh, that. You don't look it. I've been told that before. You don't look it. I feel like I look like I'm almost 70. Not even close. Well, thank you. Thank you. Because I'm not. I'm far away. Yes. <laughs> but on that note, we both have some enjoying of life to do. So, mm -hmm. listeners, you've been wonderful. As always, thank you for your patience when we had to pause for a moment there. And as always, I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, weird day this time. And enjoy whatever comes next. Yes, enjoy whatever comes next, Bonnie Jean. I have enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to the next time. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hello, hello, hello. This is Bonnie Jean Alford, the identity guru host of Life's a Blank. And yes, you're listening to an ad for my own show during my show. Ah, I've become that person. How crazy. I want everybody to listen, to enjoy the show, but also consider contacting us to ask a question for our segment on Ask the Expert or suggest a guest or be a guest yourself. Reach out to us at asktheexpert at theidentityguru.net, A-S-K-T-H-E-E-X-P-E-R-T at theidentityguru.net. So reach out, contact us, check out our past episodes and enjoy life every single day. And of course, listen to Life's a Blank. I stayed up all night Driving steeple